is Jane Gunn, the corporate peacemaker and author of How to Beat Bedlam in the Boardroom and Boredom in the Bedroom. And this podcast is about how we can gain a better understanding of some of the aspects of conflict to help us to lead happier and more productive lives. So I'm speaking today to Mark Sanborn, who's a professional speaker and president of Sanborn Associates, an idea lab for leadership development. And Mark is also the author of The Fred Factor, How Passion in Your Work and Life Can Turn Ordinary into Extraordinary. Mark, welcome. Thank you, Jane. It's great to be with you. Yes. Um, Mark, tell us a little bit about you and how you come to be doing what you're doing now. I've spent the last 24 years of my life working in the areas of leadership development and customer service strategy. Uh, My passion is leadership. I've been uh, blessed to have the opportunity to lead two national organizations here in the United States, and uh, my clients are usually middle and upper upper level managers who are looking for ideas on how to improve their own leadership abilities as well as develop leadership in others. Uh, I say that our little business is about helping leaders at every level turn the ordinary into the extraordinary. Because I think that's the great challenge of leadership, whether it's in a community or a church or a synagogue, whether it's a corporation uh, or any other organization. Is how do we take the ordinary inputs that we're, we're given in life and make them extraordinary to the best of our ability? Fantastic. And what, I, what I've learned about your work and what I love about your work is the idea that no matter what level you're at, you can still be a leader. Well, I believe that wholeheartedly. As a matter of fact, I, I think we sometimes don't give enough attention to what I call little L leaders. And those are people who don't have a formal title, but who impact our customers and who have every bit as much uh, an influence as formal leaders do. For example, whenever you stay in a hotel, uh, chances are quite good that you will not meet the general manager. That would be the highest titled leader at that property. Mm-hmm. But you probably won't meet him or her unless you've had a problem. Or maybe if you've had something really good happen, you might meet them and tell them about it. Uh-huh. But you will always meet bell caps and reception desk workers and room service and wait staff. Uh, you know, you'll meet many, many people, none of whom have titles and frankly, few of whom have had any kind of training beyond their basic job skills. Uh-huh. You'll meet all those people and they will determine your experience at that hotel. In other words, your experience is determined not by titled leaders, but by non-titled leaders, the, the folks I call little L leaders. So I think it's important that we teach everyone, uh, regardless of their position or level, two things. Number one, you know, when is it appropriate to lead? You know, when is it okay to take responsibility to, to exert a positive influence? And then number two, they need to know how to do it. Yes. And, and recognition for it when they do as well. Well, yes, to enforce it, because we can ask people, as you point out, to do things, but if we don't reward and recognize them, they they won't do it for very long. Mm. So, Mark, what we were going to talk about this afternoon is uh, what you termed hate the conflict, love the opportunity. So why do you think leaders, and I use that term in the same sense that you do leaders at any level, why do they hate conflict so much? 
Well, I think most people hate conflict, and, and I, I, you know, I think it's it's bad to hate people. But let's be honest, there are some things that we hate or dislike intensely. And I have met very few people in my life that like conflict. And the ones that I've met that do like conflict are, frankly, wired a little different than the rest of us. Uh, I don't think it's natural to like conflict because yeah. it it can be and often is unpleasant. And so, why would would we wake up in the morning and say? Oh, good news. I've got a conflict scheduled for 9 and another one at 10.30. And we just don't look forward to conflict. And the reason for that is, is, is twofold. There are many reasons we don't like conflict, and you're certainly the expert in this area. But for me, it's number one, uh, the, the potential for unpleasantness. I mean, it, we're not talking about the good, the noble, and the lovely. We're talking about the difficult or the uh, challenging or the strained. And so we, we're dealing with, uh, you know, with unpleasant, uh, at the very least, if not downright negative things. Number two, there's a relational component in that we don't want to be at odds with other people. To the degree we can live in peace and get along, I think most of us are all for it. But we realize that when we have a conflict with another person, there's great potential for damage in that relationship. And that's why I think very often, because it's unpleasant and because of the potential for relationship damage, people take what I think is probably one of the most common strategies to conflict, and that is they avoid it. Absolutely. So what they're running away from or what they're avoiding is uh, potentially damaging a relationship, and um, they tend not to put their head above the parapet, especially in the workplace, I think. Yes, and I don't know if, if you found this, but I found that when you sweep a conflict under the rug, so to speak, it doesn't go away. It grows and gets bigger and worse until it crawls out and attacks you later. I mean, very few conflicts go away on their own. And that's why uh, I say we should love the opportunity. The opportunity is to uh, reestablish or build the relationship. The opportunity is to remove the problem or the unpleasantness. So even though the process is difficult, there's great upside to dealing with the opportunities of conflict. Yes, and I see that all the time in my work. Um, I mean, there's nothing better than a relationship restored or renewed at the end of what might have been a very expensive conflict or potentially so. And yet you get to a place that actually is better than they were in before, which is one of the reasons I do what I do, one of the rewards, but it doesn't always work out that way. No, and I think that people need to be realistic. Um, I think leaders, I tell leaders all the time, it's possible to do all the right things and still have something go wrong. Yeah. I don't think we talk about that enough in business and life. You know, we live in a world that wants to believe that if we just do the right three things, take the correct five steps, do the seven habits, that nothing bad will happen and everything will work out fine. And although it normally does, there are times when our best efforts fail us, and that's called life. And, and uh, in my new book, Up, Down, or Sideways, How to Succeed When Times Are Good, Bad, or In Between, I use a quote from a friend of mine who was a Marine, and the quote is an acronym, and it's FIDO, and it stands for Forget It, Drive On. And that is to say the things you cannot change, the things that are bigger than yourself that you have no control over, forget it, drive on, don't let them hold you back. Yeah. And I think and one of the messages I give to people starting out in business or in business is that conflicts are inevitable. You will have them. And therefore, actually, rather than hiding from them, you should be looking out for them because the earlier you spot them, the less they're going to cost you and the more easily you 
will be able to resolve them. So trying to create a strategy for that, really. Well, the only hopeless conflict is the one I don't know about. You know, every once in a while, you'll find out that someone was upset or is holding a grudge or was hurt by something that you either did or they thought you did. But because you didn't know it, you had no opportunity to address it. And really, denial is a very ineffective strategy because even if you deny that someone out there might have a problem with you, the fact that they have a problem with you is going to have a very real impact on your relationship with them and, frankly, what they tell others about you. So even though I'm not thrilled to find out that I've I've got a problem that's surfaced, at least I I can be happy and now I've got an opportunity to deal with it because if it was hidden or or, uh, I didn't know about it or denied it, then uh, I'm in in worse shape, uh, the worst shape of all, actually. And, of course, the most common thing that that we do, we all tend to do when a conflict arises, is instead of talking to the person we have the conflict with, we talk to anybody else. We talk to our partners at home. We talk to other colleagues in the workplace. So we have what I call parallel conversations rather than face-to-face conversations about it. Well, it's funny you should say that because I remember many years ago I had an employee who just was making me crazy. And uh, and it certainly was a conflict, not in the personal sense. I, I like this person well enough, but their performance and and uh, some of the mistakes they were making and the problems they were causing caused me, I thought, to tell everybody that would listen about what a difficult time I had with this person. And I told my wife and I told my friends and yeah. I told my colleagues. And one day, I remember I was having coffee and I was venting, as I thought, was the appropriate term, to a friend, and they said, hey, Mark, who hired her? I said, well, I did. And he said, well, then I think you've got a choice. You either deal with the problem or you fire her or you quit complaining about it. And it was it was simple but such good advice. And, you know, sometimes we're so close to our own situations that we miss the obvious. But I was the person that hired her. I was the only person that could either help her improve her performance or, you know, terminate her. And I realized I was arguing as a very inappropriate alternative to taking responsibility for dealing with the situation. Yes, that's a brilliant story. <laughs> and uh, one of the most powerful people at the, at the back of a dispute, sometimes I'm mediating a dispute and uh, a party will say, my husband or my wife has told me not to come home without resolving this because they don't want to hear about it anymore. <laughs> That's good motivation. If you can't go home until you resolve it, you probably will come to terms with problems. <laughs> the most powerful, uh, the most powerful thing. So, Mark, uh, what impact do you see uh, unresolved conflicts having on some of the businesses that you deal with? Well, you know where I see it first and foremost is with customers. Um, We live in an interesting time. In the old days, meaning five or ten years ago, someone could complain or have a problem, and if they were unhappy, they might tell, you know, ten or twenty of their friends. Today, thanks to the digital world we live in, they can tell thousands, if not millions. One of the great examples of that, and and I don't know if uh, it made its way across the water to the UK, but a musician here in the United States had his guitar broken by United Airlines. And he couldn't get United Airlines to fix or pay for his guitar, so he recorded a very clever song called United Breaks Guitars (laughs) and shot a music video that's been viewed by hundreds of thousands in excess of, I believe now, a million-plus people. 
And United's short-sightedness, the airline's inability to do the right thing and fix this guy's guitar, did more to create bad press than any money they spent on creating good advertising, good press that year. So I, I think that the big cost is if, if someone has a problem, if there's a conflict between a, a company and a customer, the customer won't just tell a few. They often will turn to social media and the Internet and tell anybody that will listen. And there's a very real, a very direct business cost to that. It's huge, isn't it? And powerful. And I have seen that video. It's made its way to my desk as well. So, Mark, just how do we show people um, the opportunities of conflict? How can we persuade them to to deal with things at an earlier stage without being afraid? Well, I'm going to suggest an idea, not so much a line or a sentence to use, but a sentiment. And, and, and use your own words, but it served me very well. And that is, uh, in order to initiate dealing with a problem or a conflict, I, I have many times said to someone, you know, I, I hate this problem, but I value you. Yes. You know, I, I don't like what we're dealing with, but I like you enough to be willing to deal with it. Yes. And that sends a very affirming message that says, you know, yeah, uh, we're on the same page. I don't think either of us likes the problem that we were dealing with or the conflict, but it says at least for me, I value the other person. And I don't know who originally said it. It's a, a familiar thought, but I always say the key to dealing with conflict is the same key to giving feedback, and that is to be soft on the person and tough on the performance. Uh, you know, I think we, we sometimes have to be very tough on what has been done or what needs to be done, but the mistake we make is when we, we are just as tough on the person because that's what destroys trust and, and relationship. Uh, it's because we value the person and we need a solution to the problem that we're willing to do that. If you, if you don't value the relationship, then you have a lot more options, usually none of which are particularly productive. I always tell people if you're really angry and, and you don't value the relationship, then you can, you know, you can blow up and you can, you can be rude and, and do all of those things. But the reality is, is that you'll be known as a, a rude, unreasonable person. So you might feel better temporarily, but you've lost out in the long run. So tough on the problem, soft on the person. Yeah, I find that, by and large, a pretty universal approach to, and productive approach to conflict and, and to giving feedback. And I think you're right, because I think if you attack the person, or even if their perception is that they personally are being attacked, they'll go on the defensive and just everything escalates way out of control. Oh, yeah, it's natural. I mean, you know, it's the old idea that when we are pushed, we push back, you know. Uh, uh, put it another way, you know, hurt people hurt. You know, the people who tend to be the most hurtful to others, uh, right or wrong, it's often because they've been hurt. So you, you've got to short-circuit that vicious cycle by using at least neutral, if not affirming language. So, Mark, um, thank you for your time this afternoon. Do you have one final piece of advice for our listeners? Well, I've often gone back with my clients and my audiences to something that uh, Philo Judea said some 2,200 years ago. I often say it's the best customer service advice uh, I've ever heard given. Uh, I also think it's one of the best bits of advice on getting along with people I've ever heard. Now, Judeus was a historian, but he said, be kind. Everyone's fighting a tough battle. Mm -hmm. And when you think about the world we live in, 
it's very easy to give ourselves the benefit of the doubt. We all know the struggles and the problems that we're dealing with, and we don't understand why others aren't more empathic and sensitive. But it's odd, isn't it, that it's, it's so much harder to extend that same grace to others. So when I'm in a conflicted situation, or even when I'm just trying to decide how to interact in a relationship, I try to remind myself to be kind because everybody, as fellow Judeus said, is fighting a tough battle. Thank you, Mark. And so simple, but so true. I, I really appreciate that. So, Mark, if anybody wants to be in touch with you, I think your, your website is marksanborn.com. Is that right? That is correct. M-A-R-K-S-A-N-B-O-R-N.com. By the way, my, uh, my ancestors came over from England. My father's side is English. And uh, ah. I think you'll know that Sanborn is, is an old English name, even though I now live here in uh, Denver, Colorado. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that with us. So, Mark, thank you very much for your time this afternoon. I really appreciate that. Jane, it's been my pleasure. All the best. Thank you. Bye-bye.